What's up, everybody? This is the Second Stringers NBA podcast, and we're back after taking a week break. We've returned to cover everything that's going on in the playoff world right now. We got the Pel- we got the Pelicans overthrowing the Trailblazers. We got Miami going fishing right now, just recently with the 76ers beating them out, and we got a couple of series that look like they might be close to over, with teams going two and zero, and only to see the t- the series tied up again by the opposing side and we'll cover it all here today but sean what's your quick reaction on this first week of playoff action alan man i gotta say like these these first few weeks of playoffs they've been extremely entertaining from the games that i have been able to see from the highlights i've been able to see just the intensity that these guys are playing with the fights that some of these guys are getting into it's scrappy (laughs) out here these guys are fighting they all want it this is true playoff basketball, man. This is great. Yeah, everybody's enjoying it. And uh, to kick things off, here is uh, my trivia question for you. So um, everybody's enjoying the playoff series, especially the one against Utah and OKC. Even a former presidential nominee was present in the <laughs> Utah game. Um, he was taunting Russell Westbrook. Do you want to take a quick guess at which former presidential nominee taunted Westbrook during Utah's win over OKC? Well, unfortunately... For you, Alan, I did watch Sports Center last night. Oh, and you <laughs> it was Mitt Romney. That's right, it was Mitt Romney. All right, then I'll got here's another question: oh, which ger- oh. which player, which or which um, which Utah player was his uh j- was was the jersey Mitt Romney was wearing? Sorry, Ooh. got a little mixed up there. Okay. Wow, that's a that's a good one. I actually didn't pay it that close attention. I <laughs> I wasn't expecting that follow up question. That was good. You caught me off guard. I thought I was gonna get away with that one. Uh man. I wanna go with the John Stockton. John Stockton? Good guess, but this is actually a trick question. No. It wasn't any player. He was wearing a custom Utah jazz player that what? said Romney in the back. He has <laughs> one of those? I guess so. That's yep. ridiculous. Yeah, so just to kick things off, let's go straight. Let's get right into it with Portland Trailblazers going, being the first team to go fishing uh, for the summer. The Pelicans completely knocked them off by sweeping this series. I mean, this is one that I didn't predict to be a series. I thought this was going to go to six games easily. Yeah. Um, but the Pelicans came out here, um, rattled CJ McCollum, rattled Damian Leonard, and did not allow Nurkic to score down low. And they walked away with this with the playoff sweep. And now they're just. Uh, taking waiting for either for either for the Warriors, mo- li- most likely the Warriors, <laughs> yeah, definitely not the, the Spurs. <laughs> but however long it takes the Warriors to finish off the Spurs, yeah, and we'll have updates for that game, uh, which is going on right now. Like as we're making the podcast, that game will probably end by the time this is over. It will probably mm-hmm. be the Warriors. But man, these Pelicans, they so I predicted last week that there wouldn't be a playoff sweep in this first round yeah. and these guys ruined that for me. I almost had it. Yeah. It, totally it's kind of crazy unexpected. when, yeah, when you, when you look at the playoff bracket, it seems like if there was a sweep, this was not going to be the one that was going to be a sweep. No. I thought maybe the Warriors were getting, I thought they were the more likely team to sweep somebody or maybe in the Eastern conference side with the Toronto Raptors or the Houston Rockets. But the Pelicans came out here, um, holding Damian Leonard at 32% shooting from the field. Um, and Damien also just stopping him from even getting inside as he only took two free throws in the first two games of that series. Um, and Nurkic, not any better, really, uh, shooting 38.5% from the field as well for him during that whole series. Yeah, that's insane. 
I never thought that we would be living in a world where Drew Holiday is <laughs> outplaying Damian Lillard. Rajon Rondo is outplaying CJ McCollum. These two guys, they looked like the backcourt to beat in this series, the ones to look out for. Yeah. I, I had no idea these guys could step up so big for the playoffs. I mean, Drew Holiday, he averaged almost 28 points a game, 56% from the field. And he held Lillard when he guarded on defense, only 35% shooting Yeah, on the series, which is insane. I thought Damian Lillard was going to come out here. Dame time was going to come out. It was finally his time to shine. The Blazers were in the third seed. They were looking in good position to make a good playoff run. They have all their pieces, all their main pieces healthy. Nurkic was here this year, and he wasn't there mm-hmm. last year. I was really excited to see what he could do. He did nothing. Lillard did nothing. Yeah. And Anthony Davis just made all of them look silly. This is this is something special here, man. We're seeing we're seeing something that I, like somehow caught everyone off guard. No one really saw this coming. Yeah, I mean, when you looked at the pieces that the Pelicans had, um, <clears throat> I mean, they. I mean, Antoine Moore was some of their perimeter players. Like Drew Holiday, he was good, but not not at this level. And I mean, Rajon Rondo was kind of the butt of a lot of jokes when they acquired him <laughs> right. during free agency. And he had some special moments during the regular season, but not to this level. Certainly not not to this consistency. I mean, to do it four games in a row and really just rattle the, some of the two best perimeter players in the Western Conference and CJ McCollum and Damian Leonard is uh, it's. I don't I don't really know what to say. It seems almost miraculous that they were actually able to pull this off without having any major injury occur to the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, it it really doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it does from a standpoint of they just had no one to guard Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. So they would always have to, like, bring someone to help if they wanted any chance of beating him. And so that does leave people open in that way. I mean, it helped Rondo out average 13.3 assists per game over the course of this series, which is pretty absurd, honestly. And, man, I just I don't know if I want to believe yet that this team could potentially be a problem for the Warriors in the second round. But just how dominant they were makes me think that they have just a slight chance. You know, like everyone was saying the Rockets were the only team that could compete with the Warriors this year. But these Pelicans somehow, without Anthony Davis... I mean, not, not without DeMarcus Cousins, with only Anthony Davis there for them as their mm-hmm. superstar, they're somehow still a force to be reckoned with in a West, one that I thought once Cousins went down might not even make the playoffs. Yeah, it's kind of surprising hanging in there with Miratek and Emeka Okafor. That front line is thin outside of Anthony Davis, and Portland just couldn't take advantage of that with, uh, with Zach Collins and, and Nurkic. Zach Collins had himself a pretty a good series at Davis. Uh, solid guy, but Nurkic really came up short, and I I thought this I thought after game two, um once I thought like once they were that pressure was on, I thought Nurkic was going to be the guy to carry this team forward, but he never was able really to catch a roll, and he missed a lot of easy shots in the middle. Um, obviously a lot a lot of it due also to defensive pressure, but yeah. I was expecting a lot more from this guy, and um, he's a restricted free agent this summer, and. I'm not going to be surprised, honestly, if Portland lowballs him a little bit because there were times where um, they just could not play Nurkic down the stretch. They needed more movement. They needed more spacing to try to try to figure something out against the Pelicans. And 
he needed to be taken out. So I'm not sure how much value he's still going to continue to oh, hold. Man, I don't, I don't know about that. I think he had a really good season, like a really good regular he season. Did. And then like, I think to judge him off the four playoff games is a little unfair. It was his first playoff series ever. You know, he might have mm-hmm. some playoff jitters and going up against arguably the best player in the NBA and Anthony Davis and, and he's, he's new to all this, and I, I think he had a pretty good season overall. So I, I hope he gets paid a good amount of money. Uh, he definitely deserved it with the season he had. Just a bad, unlucky matchup to end it all. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm really interested to see what kind of offers Nurkic gets around this league. He's a restricted free agent, so obviously Portland can match here. And they might have to as they're pretty um, – they got a pretty nasty cap situation going, so – they got right. the bird rights to Nurkic, so it's not like they can easily replace him if they let him just walk away. Um, they also got to figure out what they're going to do with Ed Davis um, and Shab- Shabazz Napier, who's also going to be a free agent. They probably will end up keeping him. I doubt he'd get anything big. But essentially, um, Portland, they could decide to keep this whole team and keep trying, or they could blow it up, I guess, with a, by not bringing in Nurkic and trading C.J. McCollin. Um, I don't think that's a good idea. I no. I feel like you still got Zach Collins. He's fairly young. You got Maurice Harkless. Um, you still got D- Damian Leonard and CJ McCollum. They're still solid pieces. They're not. They're not at the age where things are going to start. Yeah, there's not um, like they're out of their prime or anything. Like they're not getting old. They're still in their like late to mid twenties. Yeah. So looking ahead for this team, I think it for me, I think it would be best if they kept these pieces together. Um and and see what happens this this following year. Yeah, I don't I don't really see how you're gonna be competing if you trade away CJ McCollum. Yeah, like, who are you gonna get for him? Like you're not gonna get a better player. You're gonna get like a few like decent players maybe, in my opinion. For CJ McCollum, like I just don't see how that would work. So yeah, this team will stay the same. They'll still be good next year, and maybe they just get a better luck to the draw with the playoff matchups next year. Yeah, I mean, there's they got some hope. Like I said, Harkless is still getting better. Zach Collins, it's only a rookie, and he had a hell, he had himself a hell of a year. Yeah, um, totally. he was very productive for this guys for this team. So, heck, just keep riding this wave, and hopefully, some of these young pieces turn up. And you still got Evan Turner next year. You'll only have two years left on this contract. Maybe you can you can <laughs> swing for the fences and see if somebody takes that money. I bet the Nets would take him. Yeah, <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> Yeah, how about your Timber Pups getting the win against the Rockets? That was a surprise. I don't know what the hell happened there. Houston kind of just seemed like they took that night off and allowed the Timberwolves to come through um, and, and let Derrick Rose get some points on them somehow. But, yeah, they got one win. Houston's up 3-1. I don't see anything changing here. I think they still um, close this series out before the Timberwolves win another game. Yeah, no, the, uh, Houston will be back at home for Game 5. Probably be a pretty pretty clean win there too i mean but mm-hmm. I, like like i said um last week this like the timberwolves team isn't bad like they have good players they have carl Anthony towns they have jimmy butler but the weird thing to me now i don't think anyone would have predicted this is that Derek rose is playing a vital role for this team in the <laughs> playoffs somehow out of nowhere yeah and he, I, and in reality like he's the one like actually like running the running the floor a lot like I don't think Jeff Teague's been handling the ball as much as I would have thought initially. 
And yeah. uh, Jimmy Butler's only taken three more shots than Derrick Rose on this series, which is just staggering to me. <laughs> like, your best player, the guy you brought in who's going to turn around the franchise, he's only taken three more shots than the guy you brought in, like, a week before the playoffs. Yeah. I, I don't I don't really know what's going on there, but I mean whatever they're doing, it's it's not really helping out. The the true story here about this team is Carl Anthony Towns in games one and two was just nowhere to be found. Um Andrew Wiggins shooting sort of good from the field, but he, I mean the plays are just he's just not he doesn't have a high enough usage rate with around this team. Um, it just seems like Houston is just making it making it a struggle for the Wolves to even initiate their offense. Um, they're just turning the ball over, and Houston's just doing what they do is getting out on the fast break and finding their shooters. They're just really sucking the spirit away from this team, it seems to me. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with the defense that I've seen Houston play with in the games that I have seen. Mm-hmm. And I actually heard it, uh, on one of the broadcasts that Houston was actually sixth in defensive efficiency this year. Which I I didn't actually know that. Um, I yeah. I knew that they're an amazing offensive team and they were doing well enough on defense, but six in the league that's very good and they're really showing that defensive prowess here in the playoffs against a team that has a lot of offensive firepower between Carl Anthony Towns, Jamal Crawford, and Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins. Like th- this team can shoot, but they've held them down to a hundred points in a few of these games and. Carl Anthony Towns, he just, do you think he has the jitters too, kind of like Nurkic, his first playoff appearance? Like, he just doesn't look the same out there. It just, it just seems like they can't get him the ball in the right places to me. Watching it kind of seems like he's just floating around. Um, I'm not sure if he's not demanding the ball, the play's not being run for him. But I mean, Clint Capella and the rest of the Rocket, Rockets crew, they're quick. They're quick (laughs) on picking the ball. Chris Paul is out there picking. Jimmy Butler and Derek Rose every time they dribble up the floor. Um, this is a good defensive team and it's 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 tough. It's tough to run run the ball the way ideally the way you want it to run. And I think Carl Anthony Towns seems like he has a hard time adjusting to that. Yeah, and I think Clint Capella, I think he's the unsung hero here. Like he's yeah. he's sizing him up. He's he's having a really good series himself and uh, this was a matchup to watch at the beginning of the series. I thought that Carl Anthony Towns would actually be getting the better of Capella, but I was just basing that off talent. But yeah. Capella, I mean, he, he was part of the playoff run with the Rockets last year, and I think he just seems a little more composed than Carl Anthony Towns does, especially looking at the home road split for Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, he's play, played really well in the two home games, uh, 20 points, 15 and a half rebounds per game. But on the two road games, the first two games of the playoffs for him, 6.5 points and 11.5 rebounds. So that's a huge Ouch. discrepancy between the two, which tells me that he's just, I think the this, this stage is just uh, kind of overwhelming him a little bit. Possibly, yeah. It's not, it's the stage as well, but you're playing against a really good team at the end of the day. <laughs> you are, you really are. <laughs> Um, and it's crazy. I mean, I, I'm everybody thought that once the playoffs started, the Timberwolves were going to switch, turn this switch on, and we're just going to give the Rockets a hell of a time. And, and so far, it has been, hasn't been true. Things don't really seem to, to be falling that way. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a I mean, I think, yeah, it'll be a clean 4 1 for Houston, and then we'll see them play the winner of the Jazz Thunder series, which is an interesting one we'll get to. Yeah, but before we get there, let's just talk about the Warriors and the Spurs who 
spiritedly took one win from them. Um, I, I'm 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 surprised by this team, honestly. When the news of Greg Popovich came out with his wife passing away, yeah, I thought this team was done. And I mean, if they weren't, nobody can blame them. I mean, you're sure. you're ace you're ace in the card, and Greg Popovich, the old time coach, isn't going to be there on the sidelines. Um, you're already looking at a three zero deficit. Obviously, you know, everybody knows the, the statistical outlook on that. So it almost made it seem like there's no if you if you falter and you let if you just lose the game and get the summer started already, like no one's gonna blame you. But the Spurs and led by Mono Ginobili fired away and took that win from the Warriors to make the series three one. Yeah, I mean, also yeah, our our thoughts and prayers go out to the Popovich family, of course. Uh, yeah, terrible tragedy there. And, you know, I honestly believe that the Spurs would get this win after that happened, though, because it, it's stuff like this where you can really rally behind, you know, like they mm-hmm. won that game for Popovich. They won it for their leader. Yeah, there's no greater motivation than that. It was more than a basketball game at that point for them. And they really showed it. I mean, They came out. And they were winning the entire game, and the Warriors made a few runs, but at the end of the day, the Spurs held on really strong. Their defense was, there was impenetrable defense, and I'm just, I'm really happy they got this one win. They didn't, the way they've been playing, like how hard they've been playing, they did not deserve to get swept. That's true, I guess. Yeah, no one really deserves to get swept Some you just, people you, just get <laughs> you just do <laughs> <laughs> you just do i mean yeah the warriors are a really good team they they have more offensive weapons than the spurs especially without Kawhi leonard um so i thought this was going to be a sweep uh, the spurs managed to take one win um right now the warriors are holding uh, holding on to a eight point lead with three minutes to go yeah, in the fourth quarter so it could be that the Warriors ended tonight. I'm banking on that. Yeah. But um I agree. Hey, they the Spurs held on to not be the team to be swept in the playoffs. And it looks like we're gonna finish the playoffs with only Portland being swept, right? Right. Yep. For the first round. Yeah. Craziness. <laughs> and yeah, another thing with the Warriors, they're still not a definitive timetable for Steph's return from his ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Uh which could play a factor in the next series. I mean the Pelicans, they're they're waiting. They're ready. They're playing the best basketball they've played all season. And without Steph there, this series could get interesting. I don't know. I, yeah, I agree. It could get really interesting. I mean, if you're looking at the matchups, you're gonna you'll have Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo in the perimeter there. Uh, without Curry there, you just focus all your 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 two perimeter all stars right or your two perimeter defensive first teams for this for this playoff <laughs> first round um on clay thompson and you kind of let quinn cook just do his thing i guess yeah, uh, no, oh, anthony <laughs> davis on <laughs> yeah quinn cook on man, durant. he's not doing anything yeah anthony davis durant will be a really fun matchup for sure yeah and there's no big man to sort of um bully mirror take around um from the warrior side unless Guess you want to put JaVel McGee in there, but most likely not. He doesn't play very many minutes, though, as a thing. So, like, you're going to have Draymond Green playing on him, I feel, for parts of the game. So yeah, this will be. Mismatch. Yeah, this this will be interesting. Anthony Davis could have his way in the interior there. Durant is the huge X, X factor, of course. Um, always. <laughs> always. 
I mean, we'll see how that goes. But first, they got to close out this series against the Spurs. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to it. But yeah, this yeah. this last one I I think has been the best series of the Western Conference so far. Oh, easily, Not easily. Not that that's like hard to do because the other ones have been pretty much like like standard protocol. You know, the Pelicans one was mm-hmm. crazy, but it was a sweep. And then the other two are just formalities. But this, yeah. this Jazz Thunder series, man, it's ooh, living up to the hype. <laughs> I I'm eating my own words right now. I spoke so much crap on the oh. Jazz last week. And you, you were backing them, and you got your Donovan Mitchell T-shirt. <laughs> oh and, yeah, <laughs> and I just, I just could not buy in. And I mean, then we sit at three-one, three-one Jazz. The number one defensive team in the league is making things interesting with the potentially, arguably, the number one rookie in the league also helping make things interesting. Defensive potential defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert making things interesting. I mean, the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder, I I think are could not have been more polar opposites in that OKC relies so much on their star power and is not a very deep team. The Utah Jazz, no star power, I guess, no offensive star power at least, um, and rely totally on ball movement and point distribution throughout. Although Donovan Mitchell has really done his best to stick out as the as the offensive star on this team but also Ricky Ricky Rubio has been man putting together <laughs> some crazy good performances this is a oh guy who has uh, he's resurrected his NBA career honestly I think there's a lot of people that have been writing him off um especially criticizing him for his performances in Minnesota but it looks like he's really turned it around here in Utah yeah a playoff Ricky Rubio is a real thing, and mm-hmm. that's something I never thought I would say. He, yeah. he got triple-double in Game 3, and after that triple-double, he really got into Westbrook's head. And I think that honestly won them the game in Game 4, too, because Westbrook yep. was so focused on getting the better of Ricky Rubio. He's such an emotional player. He just let his emotions get the better of him. He was fouling like crazy in that game, had four fouls in two quarters. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that... A lot of that you can blame on Billy Donovan. What are you doing keeping him in the game? You know he can't contain himself. You know Westbrook's going to get that fourth foul, fifth foul. You keep him in, he's just going to keep fouling. Yeah, but I mean, Billy Donovan just has no choice. This And this has always been the problem with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Is they're just not a very deep team. I mean, Raymond Felton out there looks like he should not be in an <laughs> NBA uniform. Can't make <laughs> shots. Um, he's getting pickpocketed by the U- Utah defense. Um can't get can't get the passes in the right places. Outside of him, who else do you got? You got Grant, Patrick oh, Patterson, yeah. Jeremy Grant. You know the the craziest stat I saw from watching Game Four was that Jeremy Grant is actually leading the team in fourth quarter points this series. Wow! Right, I did not realize With that. Four point seven per game. Oh yeah, this team has been struggling it's hard ridiculous. to score the ball <laughs> in the final minutes. Um. And I mean, a lot of it is just because they fall into isolation plays and the Utah Jazz, they just double down on team defense. Um, It's hard for them to really penetrate the perimeter when they do. They got Rudy Gobert down in the middle and and Derek Favors. I mean, when everybody, all the teams across the playoffs are getting are favoring spacing and going to smaller, quicker lineups while the Utah Jazz are sticking with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert and a Joe Ingles at the three like they're going 
pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Very traditional. And it's working in their favor against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who just can't break the their <laughs> the perimeter. And when they do, the defensive front lines are there. Right. Man. Is, and Donovan Mitchell, man, is just I cannot believe how good this kid is. Yeah. He's somehow instead of shying away like you like Nurkic or Carl Anthony Towns in their first playoff series, these young guys like you'd expect them to because they're not used to the stage. He's elevated his game to all-star levels. Like yeah. he looks like a bona fide all-star. Like he's been here before, averaging twenty-six yeah. points a game, eight rebounds, and making so many clutch shots. He looks like a superstar out here, and it's it's so cool to watch because you can just see the potential just just like coming out of him. You know, <laughs> like you're just watching a superstar being born, and it's a really cool yeah. feeling. Yeah, and I mean they're hassling the hell out of OKC. And OKC is just having a hard time responding to them. But I mean one of the big things for them has been foul trouble and their lack of, their their lack of depth to replace guys. I mean Steven Adams fouls out in game 3. Um then Utah Jazz goes on a run and gets that game away from OKC. Same thing in game 4. Russell Westbrook picks up the early fouls in the first half of the game and same story for the second half and He's, he's got to sit down, and the Utah Jazz make a big run. Um, Joe Ingles getting into Joe. the head of Paul George. I yeah, mean, man, that, things yeah, that got, got have chippy. been chippy between the two. Yeah, and then Crowder got ejected for elbowing Steven Adams, which actually was pretty awesome on Steven Adams' part. <laughs> Did you see that play? Where, oh, I saw that. He, I, I do believe it is an inadvertent elbow. It was just bad timing. But yeah. he shrugged it off like it was nothing. Steven Adams is one tough mofo, man. Oh, he yeah. Just, he's he the took strongest that man in the league. Yeah, he <laughs> barely flinched when he got elbowed in the face. Like, <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, he's trying to keep this team in there. But uh, the combination of Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert is just a little too much. As I mean, the Utah Jazz are killing OKC on the board. You're looking at 195 rebounds for Utah this uh, to this point in the series to 171 from OKC um they're they're limiting the second yeah. chance opportunities that OKC can get and and when they do get them I mean Oklahoma City's going sometimes to Carmelo Anthony who at times finds himself wide open and just cannot knock down shots uh so here's an interesting stat so far he's Three for thirteen on three pointers when a defender's within four to six feet of him, Yikes. basically wide open. Six when feet. A defend- that's like nothing. That's like a whole person. <laughs> so when somebody's six more than six feet away, basically on the other side of the court, he's three for eleven, twenty-seven percent. So he's getting the shots, but at times he's or most of the time he's just not able to knock these down. I think a lot of this is just he does not belong on this team. Yeah, this is not like. They got Paul George. That was awesome. And then that should have been it. And I think that team would have been better than the team they have right now. And yeah, you have if you had Cantor and McDermott still, like you don't have to worry about anyone else shooting the ball except for Russell Westbrook, Paul George. The rest of the guys yeah. will have an easy time out there. But Carmelo Anthony, he's going to try to get his and like they're going to want to go to him. He's like, oh, it's Carmelo Anthony. Like he should be shooting mm-hmm. in the clutch. But he's not in the same rhythm because he's the third option on a team and he's always been the first option on a team. And you ask a guy like that, like a volume shooter to go from the first option to the third option. That is just, that's a recipe for disaster. And yeah, this has just been waiting to happen. And I really regret 
thinking that OKC <laughs> could get over the hump in the playoffs and that it'd all be different. It's just yeah. more of the same. Yeah, the playoffs are an interesting point of the year where heading into it, we always like to think or maybe hope that somehow the playoffs are automatically going to turn a switch on on a player or a team. But then the playoffs get started and you realize, oh, they're exactly who we thought they were. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and Some, granted, yeah. Sometimes it does happen, though. They do no, it does. The switch. Yeah, but just not with this team, man. Yeah, Rondo certainly disproved that, I guess. Yeah, he, Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday. Yeah, you're right. They did. But Oklahoma City, so far, they're exactly who we thought they would be in the regular <laughs> they season. Are who they like thought they were. Yeah, <laughs> they like Bench. Uh, Carmelo Anthony's not shooting well. Paul George looks awkward at times or he forces plays on his own. A lot of ISO for both teams. Russell Westbrook gets out of control sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, uh, speaking of out of control, uh, Russell Westbrook tonight was actually just fined 10000 and given uh, after the fact technical foul for his altercation with Gobert in game four. So oh. I think that means that Utah starts game five with a technical foul shot. <laughs> Is that how that works? I guess so. I think uh, maybe. I feel like I've seen that before. I think that's what happens. But like, that's so weird. I don't. I don't know how that ruling is. We'll have to. Uh, I mean, if they start off one zero, that's that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I also wanted to make one more point about also Carmelo Anthony's. Just you're looking at a guy who still owed twenty seven million dollars this year and also next year if he opts in. Um, yeah. For a guy who's shooting 23% from three and just in general in this series, 37% from the field. Um, and Utah Jazz are exploiting this guy on the pick and rolls. They're getting the switches. Donovan Mitchell, most of his points have been on Carmelo Anthony. Mm, that's interesting. That's yeah. really interesting. Man, so, man, dude, if they lose this series, Paul George is gone. Yeah. That's 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 scary. Yeah, that's why I think things are getting emotional. For more than any team, this playoff run is... Well, I guess LeBron James, I think. That one's, yeah, that probably one's also the same thing, though. Yeah. But, I think LeBron yeah. James and Oklahoma City, Thund Oklahoma City Thunder have a lot of pressure on this playoff run. More than any team, I would say. Yeah, oh my gosh. For sure. And then, <laughs> you'd rob Drew Holiday again. I just... He scored 41 points in Game 4. Drew Holiday <laughs> scored 41 points in a playoff game. I can't get over that. I told you he was worth the money. <sighs> I, did you? Did you actually? <laughs> well, I made the argument that at the time, the market dictated he was owed that much and based on the needs of the Pelicans. And yeah, I mean, he's giving them what they needed. Yeah, I can't believe he earned his money. <laughs> I'm, I, I look like such a fool right now, man. All these <laughs> things I was saying are just totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, Drew Holiday's exploding. The uh, Jazz, the, Jazz. the thing is, I predicted the Jazz to win this in seven. Yeah, they which might could, actually it could win. Still be right. I think more likely than not, I said they they're win they're winning it in six. I think OKC takes the next yeah. game. That's hey, you're still <laughs> way better <laughs> than my prediction. That's for sure. Yeah, but uh, moving on here to let's go to the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference is uh. A little bit more tied up now. Uh, with I, I actually I more like interesting games. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like it started off um, kind of predictable, but now things are like 
turning heating up here with the 70s uh, except for this series so let's just start there <laughs> the 76ers defeating the miami heat 4-1 to advance to the eastern conference semi second round so yeah break down this series what happened here wow. i mean a lot of ben simmons happened man yeah this guy he almost averaged a triple double throughout the whole series he had triple double in game four that carried them through that um yeah i think he was he had nine assists per game over the course mm-hmm. of the series which is like and man he's just unstoppable and yeah i mean when you throw joel and beat into the mix too it's just game over when he came back in game three after losing game two to the heat and yeah. he made his presence felt it might not have been on the offensive game as much but four blocks per game in those two games on the road in miami just totally locking down Whiteside, making matchup nightmares for them on that end yeah and yeah hassan Whiteside. i thought this matchup would be way more interesting between these two like i thought it would be a little chippier but MP just dominated him completely. Yeah. I mean, Hassan Whiteside only getting 10 minutes in that in the last game uh, earlier today. Interesting right. for the guy who's who's on the $98 million contract. So there's some bad blood there between him and Eric Spolstra. I sure. think, I mean, there just has to be even, even in the season throughout the season, Hassan Whiteside would get low, low amount of minutes. Um, we could potentially see a trade coming here. Maybe, yeah. It's it's crazy to think that like Hassan Whiteside was a just he was just a non factor in this whole yeah. thing. I like I don't know if it's Spolster's fault for just not keeping him in the game long enough to make a difference, or if it's Whiteside's lack of effort or ability to do anything to stop Embiid and Simmons. I I don't know whose fault it is. Maybe it's partially both of theirs, but yeah, there's just there was just nothing good going on for the Heat in this series. Except for a mm-hmm. few choice games from Dwayne Wade, which really yeah, brought, I was, uh, that's me exactly back to what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I was about to say that there there was something crazy coming out of the Heat, and that was Dwayne Wade. His superhuman performance gave him <laughs> that single win. Yeah, man, that was so cool to watch. Like that game too was honestly so much fun, <laughs> and just watching Dwayne, they, they, all the shots he made were crazy shots too. Like they were fadeaway putback jumpers and. Like, he was all over the place, and he couldn't miss a shot. Man, yeah. it was so cool. It, it really brought me back. It was very nostalgic. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it takes a lot of work for this guy to get these shots get these shots off because he can't beat anybody off the dribble. So he has to fade away, turn away, <laughs> or pump fake, and right. or use his footwork to try to get around people because he he's not going to out-jump or out-cross over anybody, really. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, age has its limits, but I'm glad that he put it together for at least one game, give the fans what they wanted. That was that was really cool to see. But moving forward for Miami, uh, they have zero picks in this deep draft <laughs> this year, so unless they trade in, this is their roster. I mean, they'll have Dion Waiters back next year. Maybe that helps yeah. them out a little bit. Um, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, this, this team's going to continue to hopefully uh, gel, get some extra chemistry, some extra, um, you know, just... Being able to play together is an underrated, uh, like performance characteristic, in my opinion. <laughs> like just being able to gel as a team, and that's yeah. what this team's gonna do. That's they really have no other options. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty locked up with uh, all the dudes they got there, except I guess Wayne Ellington is somebody they got to make a choice about oh, whether no. or not they choose to resign this guy. 
next year. He's a good shooter. He's 30 good years shooter. old, though. I wouldn't lose much sleep over it, though. Yeah. They got their lone all-star in Goran Dragic, who will be 31 next year. Still um, so not that bad. Right. It's not that bad, but if this team really wants to blow things up, I guess, or try to make a move that uh, for the an addition by subtraction, I guess, move. Mm. It's, you trade Hassan Whiteside, I guess. There, there's that potential trade. I guess maybe a CJ McCollum Whiteside swap there. Interesting. Yeah, that could work. Miami pretty yeah. pre- pretty low on big men at that point, but I guess yeah. they don't really seem to care if they're only playing him 10 minutes in a game. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. All right, so moving on there, the Toronto Raptors, the Washington Wizards, Coming back to tie this series up. I did Man. not see this coming. They have found themselves some new light. And if they have, this can be a dangerous team. Yeah. And I honestly, like, out of all the series, or like, out of like a one versus eight in recent years, like, this seemed like one of the most evenly matched one versus eight series. Uh, the first, mm-hmm. the first two games, you're like, okay, maybe the, maybe not. Maybe the Raptors are as good as like their record showed that they were. But, they're showing their playoff inconsistencies again here. Mm-hmm. The Wizards are showing their star power off. They they had those two home games. They really stood their ground in those. And it, it's tied 2-2. And, you know, I still, I'm still of the belief that the Raptors are going to close this out in six. But it's a scary place for them. They, they have to fight with a lot of urgency now if they want to get these last two wins to close them out because the Wizards aren't going anywhere. Yeah, I was surprised the Wizards took two wins. Honestly, I thought they'd take one. Like like I was saying, sometimes we, we think a team's gonna turn it on magically when the playoffs start and then we'd see them play and we and then we're like, Oh, they're exactly how we thought they'd be. <laughs> like the and Warriors. I thought the Wizards would be exactly how I thought they they were in the the regular season. Sure. It's a team with very little chemistry, um, a team that just doesn't have a strong identity, chemistry issues between John Wall and Bradley Beal, but no, they They've put their things. They've they've stuck with it, and um, they got two impressive wins over the Toronto Raptors, holding their bench mob to only twenty seven points per game. Um, Demar Derozan having a hard time getting his shots off, and Kyle Lowry also having a hard time shooting from the perimeter. Um, with the Washington Wizards, Mershonger taught playing good, uh, rebounding the ball, defending the paint. It's impressive. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, to that point about the bench mob, I think. That was a pretty... I think the coaching deserves a lot of credit on the Wizards' side for uh, locking down the bench and making sure that they're not putting up as many shots. And it kind, they kind of allowed DeMar DeRozan to shoot more in those games. And that took away from a lot of the flow of what they have going on with being able to run a 10-man rotation with all these bench guys. And I think that was the key to their success in those two home victories. And also getting Bradley Beal going. I mean... Man, those first two games, he looked terrible. He looked like they're <laughs> they're gonna easily get swept. He's gonna keep playing like yep. that, only averaging fourteen points a game. But then he just turned it on when they got back to DC and averaged twenty nine and a half points per game in those two games. Uh, even with fouling out in game four and not playing the last few minutes of that, John Wall is able to carry them to that victory. But um, if Bradley Beal can get one of these good games going in the in a away game at Toronto, then, hey, they could pull off this crazy upset. Whoa. Do you think that's likely? I I still I'm see Toronto winning likely. this. I'm not saying it's likely because, I mean, it, I'm not saying it's not impossible, though. 
Like it yeah. could definitely happen. But the way the Raptors played in the first half of game four, I assumed that they were just going to easily come away with that victory. They held the Wizards to 40 points in that mm-hmm. first half in game four. I thought it was going to be over, but then then they score f- the Wizards score 40 points in the third quarter alone. And then now yeah. you have a game and then they have the home crowd on their side and that that's how they were able to pull that one off. So I don't really see that happening in game five. Maybe it happens in game six. Th- this could go seven games though. Like, and when you're playing a seven game series, you, you gotta, you gotta just, everyone's playing their heart out. You can't really count anybody out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I you, think you're counting them out though. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're, you're I, not, you're not buying in. I am not buying into the wizards at all. You just hate That's, John wall. I just, yeah, <laughs> this team has just been so disappointing to me, <laughs> but I mean, Hey, I got to give them credit for winning these two games, but Toronto to me closes it out in six. I think they win the next two and then the wizards have to head into the summer and think about whether they want to keep this Bradley Beal and John wall thing going. It's not really, yeah, not really a attractive option, honestly, with all the chemistry yeah. issues or whatever they have. But yeah, I think I think it goes seven. I'll, I'm gonna say it's gonna go seven. I still think it it stays at six, Toronto. But uh, how about the Cavaliers and Pacers? Uh, this one we knew was gonna be was gonna have was gonna be epic. I mean, this is a friend. LeBron James has no rival but what he does have is he has rival franchises and rival fan bases <laughs> or maybe Very not true. rival fan bases but fan bases that have an extra bit of that have it out for him yeah that have it out for lebron james and the indiana pacer fan base franchise definitely has that for lebron i mean this indiana pacers have put together some good teams and have all been held short in their playoff runs by lebron james <laughs> so they this is the potentially the first time that the Indiana Pacers might be able to take down the LeBron James team. Uh, see, I don't know. I think if they had won game four, I would have said the Pacers would win the series. But mm-hmm. since since the Cavs were able to squeak out that victory in game four, tie the series at two two, I, I don't see the Pacers pulling this one out. I think LeBron's just too much for them to handle, but Man, yeah, I give him a lot of kudos. I thought that it would be a 4-1 Cavs series. Uh, and you know what? I completely overestimated how these new additions uh, to the Cavaliers would play because they yeah. look terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this team is so dysfunctional. Yeah. I mean, think about they've had 30 different starting lineups, I think, since that trade Oof. went down. Or even before the trade. No, I think 30... Yeah, it's got to be even after that trade. Um, they've just had guys coming in and out. I mean, Jose Calderon started game game four. Yeah. Um, he's the type of guy that you probably wouldn't even be thinking would be getting more than 10 minutes for an NBA team at this point in his career. Right. Um, Kyle Korver just came back. Ronnie Hood keeps coming in and out, but he he looked all right in game four. Yeah. Um, but he's just another wrench that's just been thrown in there as well into this rotation. Um, and Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance and everybody's got it outside of LeBron James has to adjust. Um, yeah. J.R. Smith and that game four basically hitting that game winner when you take into account <laughs> right. how much they won that game by his that g- ridiculous shot he made at halftime was could you could attribute oh, yeah. to being the difference maker. Completely, yeah. 
like the, if he didn't make a 65 foot shot like this that whole game could have changed yeah so yeah good job jr keeping it real doing what jr does just ridiculous yeah. shots like that but I, what do you think about this lebron lance stevenson rivalry continuing to heat up they're getting <laughs> they're getting chippy man they they keep going after it this isn't a rivalry um Lance Stevenson is just being Lance Stevenson. <laughs> he'll go on one end and make a hustle play and force a jump ball. And then on the other end, he'll get the inbound pass and walk with the ball and be <laughs> called for a travel. He will. But, man, he really loves getting in LeBron's head, though. Yeah. The problem with the Cavaliers right now is they just, um, which is the same problem they've had all year. It's They just have a tough time guarding anybody. Um, in the end, a credit to the Pacers as well. They have incredible ball movement. Finding Odalipo, Darren Collison just shooting lights out from the three-point corner. Um, Miles Turner hitting a couple yeah, and Turner, really man. making things hard for the Cavaliers uh, to get anything at the rim. And Bogdanovich too. Bogdanovich. Oh yeah, Bogdanovich. How could I forget too. about that guy? Yeah. yeah, I mean he's got a thirty-point performance against these this Cavalier team. This is a guy that most people probably don't even. Most casual NBA fans probably have never heard of this man. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they're, yeah, they're just playing really good team basketball. All running through Odalipo, and he he's been playing pretty well overall. Um, mm-hmm. his, his home road split isn't um, like the best. Like it's not very even. His home games are definitely a lot better than his road games. Um, yeah, like twenty seven points per game at home, seventeen point five on the road, uh, with three steals at home and only a steal and a half on the road. But I mean, he's still playing really good basketball. He he's the leader of this team for sure. He's not shying away from the spotlight. He's playing playoff basketball. And mm-hmm. it, it's just so cool to watch this guy who everyone just wrote off as an uh, as an oversight in a Paul yeah. George trade. And now he's the one that could potentially advance farther than Paul George does in the playoffs. <laughs> the irony. So much irony. This whole oh, season's he- irony, man. Oh, man. Imagine he takes down LeBron James. He will do what Paul George was never able to do <laughs> in the oh, playoff man. with the Pacers is beat a LeBron James team. That would be insane. Yeah. Mm. Granted, it's the oldest LeBron's ever been, but who really cares, True. right? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I think I still I have a feeling that this we're still going to see this series last a little bit longer. I think I see this going to seven with the Cavaliers yeah. coming out. Yeah. No, I, I think it'll go seven too. But yeah, I just I don't give the Pacers like a high chance of winning in seven. I, like I think it's gonna be the Cavs pretty handily. Mm-hmm. But hey, if it happens, I don't I don't think I'll really fully appreciate how crazy that is that yeah. LeBron loses in the first round because this team just seems so weak. Oh yeah, but like it's a LeBron team and. If he goes out in the first round, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, well, that team's not even that good. But it's LeBron. And then he'll go to Lakers next year. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, well, we can break that down further. They have that draft pick, so there's see what that develops into. If it turns into a player, uh, into a prospector, maybe they end up trading away after the lottery. So it's interesting to see where that's this Cavalier team goes. I mean, obviously we don't have to talk about that since this series is actually still yep, it's, going yeah. on. Yeah, no, <laughs> we don't. Yeah, we <laughs> we don't have to get to there yet. We're just speculating. But let's talk about the Celtics and the Bucks. Ah, uh, this this was an interesting series this is to a me. Good one too. Yeah, when they during game one, I thought 
Well, I picked the Celtics to win this series before the ball was ever thrown in the air. Mm. But once it was and the Bucks that first quarter ended, midway through that second quarter, the Celtics went like six minutes without being able to score a single point. Their <laughs> offense looked awful. Um, it was basically Jason Tatum just trying to figure something out. Nobody could really create any form of offense. And that's and I just I thought this series was over. I was like, the Bucks are gonna win this. And then let it behold, the Celtics end up winning that game. And they went to end up Yeah, they end up winning both games at home, uh, making the Bucks look like fools. And then it looked and then it looked like the Celtics were gonna come out on out of this series pretty handedly, and then the Bucks come back and take these two games at home, which is impressive for the for the I think for the Milwaukee Bucks to make yeah. this a, a great series. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's Giannis and Chris Middleton that are really. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously we expected Giannis to be at the All Star level, and Chris Middleton has stepped his game up too, though. Um, yeah. With Giannis averaging twenty five point four points per game, Chris Middleton's right behind them at twenty five even, and both of them are shooting over fifty five percent from the field through five games. And they're really the ones keeping a minute because Eric Bledsoe has really struggled against Scary Terry. <laughs> that is Terry Rozier, um, the, really the unsung hero of the Celtics here, actually playing really good playoff basketball for just a second-year player, Kyrie Irving's backup. And yeah, you're right. It's just crazy. It's like this team who's missing <laughs> their like, two biggest acquisitions from the beginning of the season is looking like they're going to win their first playoff series. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't. What do you think is more impressive here, that the Celtics are winning, or you think it's more, uh, I guess, disappointing that the Bucks are actually m- gonna lose this series? I think it's more impressive that the Celtics are winning, mm-hmm. and I I say that cause, like I don't think it's that crazy. To, like the Bucks with their interim head coach, and yeah, true, and and a very young team like Eric Bledsoe. Has he ever been to the playoffs before? Was he there with the Clippers? I don't remember. No. Yeah, I don't think he's been in the playoffs. And Giannis, he? he's still young. Uh, yeah. this, this team just, they don't have the, the experience. And Brad Stevens, they're going up against Brad Stevens, really, is who they're going up against. Like, just a Hall of Fame coach in the making, coaching a bunch of super young talent and coaching them in a way where they're not they're not scared of the spotlight. Like, guys like yeah. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they've barely, they've barely been around, but they're looking like they've been here the whole time with, Jalen Brown averaging 21.4 points a game. Like mm-hmm. that, that's for a second year player. That's, that's awesome. And like yeah. Terry Rozier even too. And they're just playing so well as a team, Al Horford, who everyone thought was just like, you know, a little slightly above average center is playing really good basketball right now. Yeah. And the bucks just, I thought this was going to be a really, and I mean, this is obviously a thought that I had, in the beginning of the season, just how I thought this team was really going to impress the hell everybody. They were the team everybody was saying, oh, watch out for the Bucks, watch out for the Bucks." which I guess there's been a lot of teams that have had that label. Um, yeah. Before them, I guess you could say the Clippers had that label. It's no. always, watch out for the Clippers. And no. some of these teams, you get your expectations and they do kind of disappoint, but only because you had such high expectations. But when in reality, they maybe just were never really that good. Um so the Bucks, I mean, I thought Jabari Parker was really going to come out in this series and do something incredible and carry the Bucks, but I mean, 8 points 
so far in this series is what he's averaging, 40% shooting. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah, okay. It's, Eric, it's like, yeah, very minimal bench roll. And Eric Bledsoe, the big uh, blockbuster in-season trade uh, that we thought was going to make a difference. Here he goes, averaging 11 points this series, or 12 points. Um, yeah, and and then getting in a little scuffle with Terry Rozier there at the end of the last game. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Yeah, so he's getting in his head. And, yeah, Eric Bledsoe, he's just getting outplayed. He's the more talented player, I think. But, yeah, they're just they're just not getting it done. And they're going home for the next game. Celtics are up 3-2. I, I think the Bucks will take this, and then the Celtics will win at their home. It'll be really – It'll be a boring series, but not a boring series. It's been a really cool series, but it'll mm-hmm. just be like every team wins their home games, I feel, at this point. Yeah. I got it. So you got Celtics in seven. Yep, Celtics in seven. Okay, yeah. I'd say Celtics in... I, I think at the beginning of this, I think I said Celtics in six. I think I'll still stick with that. Okay. And now the Bucks yeah. are going to win in seven because we both said that. You know how ridiculous <laughs> it is that we can get to this point? We, we, we two weeks ago, we predicted like what we thought this series was going to end up as. And now we're predicting again after five games have been played. And we're still going to be wrong. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. man. man yeah, it makes, well, you, makes you really think about why you even predict things in the first place. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes it fun. I mean, when you're right, I, I'm pretty excited that I guess the Utah Jazz would be the better team. Yeah, I think I'm just still that really bitter about that. I'm like, why do I even predict these things anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, how about we highlight some of the best performances of the playoffs so far? You got to give a shout out to Baljamba Donovic, 30 points, 11 for 15 shooting, 7 for 9 for 3 in game 3 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. There's no slowing down this man, especially not when you I guess your defenders are J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver. Um, <laughs> I like Jordan Clarkson, but not even Jordan He's, Clarkson nah, wouldn't could him. stop this man. No. What's really cool about this guy is like he was playing in Europe and he played really well. I couldn't tell you what team he played for in Europe. I can't even really tell you what nationality he is. <laughs> I'm just very uneducated, I guess. But what I did, what I do know is that he has looked up to LeBron James for a lot of his career over in Europe. And it was his dream to play in the NBA in a playoff series against this man. And lo and behold, here he is. And this is the type of performance he puts up. He's not starstruck. He's not caught up in the limelight. He He's come out. He's still balling, even though he's living out his dream. And I think yeah. that's really cool. And if he ends up beating LeBron too, that's just going to be icing on the cake. <laughs> You think he'll ask him for his autograph as they lose? As the they court? lose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that'll go over very well for him, but yeah. Wait. All right. Another best performance is old man Dwayne Wade with twenty-eight points, seven rebounds, with eleven for sixteen shooting in Game Two against the Philadelphia 76ers. Man, what are we thinking, Sean? Is this the last time we're gonna see a performance like this from Dwayne Wade? Is he coming back next year? Man, yeah, like tw- yeah, twenty-eight points. Vintage performance. We talked about it in the matchups earlier. And, man, I really hope this isn't the last we see of Dwayne Wade. He might not want to go out like Kobe Bryant did, you know, just, like, kind of fading away. And then Uh, the uh, grand tour. Yes, the grand tour. I don't think think Dwayne Wade's that that type of personality. But the the fact that he can still put up numbers like this is just so cool. I don't know. I, I think it's just the the teenager in me that wants to see him keep playing 
you know, <laughs> just just see it again. But since this is gonna be such a far and in between performance, this this just might be it. He might be happy just retiring and hanging out with his family and having some quality family time. Yeah, we'll see. But I guess the Seventy Sixers are having abundance of guards at this point, but. None of them were able to put out a performance like this. It could be that maybe he gets a call back just strictly during playoff time. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, he, he doesn't even need to work out during the whole season. They'll just call him back just for just for for round one of the playoffs, taking early exit yeah. again. <laughs> he could be like Kendrick Perkins is to the Cavs. Oh my gosh. I forgot he even got re signed by them. <laughs> Does he play well, at all? No, he has not played. Yeah, but, why uh, even sign him? <laughs> I don't know. We might see some action though. They might throw Kendrick Perkins yeah. out there to chase by Donovan around. Little, get a little desperate there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, how about the worst performances? Uh, no surprise here. Some of these are teams that are looking. Well, it, actually, some of these guys have tied the series. Eric Bledsoe, nine points, four for twelve shooting, zero for two from three pointer, um, five turnovers, just getting blazed by Terry Rozier, Tory Rozier as well. Um, with the against the Boston Celtics, what's going on here with our friend Eric? Dude. Man, he just cannot get a, buy a shot right the now. Man should have just stayed on the Clippers this whole time. That's what <laughs> I say. He's he's just not in the right place. But no, he I I think I don't think he's hurt or I don't think he's afraid of the playoff limelight or the spotlight. I think he's just getting straight up outplayed by Terry Rozier, which is crazy because. Yeah. He is so much bigger than Terry Rozier. He's so yep. fast. But yeah, Terry Rozier, I think he's just outsmarting him, getting in his head, playing just quality basketball, and and calling him out a little bit in uh, these postgame interviews and just getting in his head a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it also helps Aaron Baines, Al Horford out there. They've been pl- setting some good picks for Terry Rozier and alongside Jason Tatum as well. I mean, right. the whole... Celtic system is just is just great basketball to watch honestly system. yeah it's crazy like yeah Brad Stevens yeah okay so like as an aside do you th- who do you think is coach of the year right now I think I feel like we've gone over this a few times but like I keep changing my mind like every week yeah same here I mean yesterday last night I would have told you uh Quinn Snyder right yeah uh, but when I watched the Celtics play, I'm like, oh, Brad Stevens, I can't believe this team is actually the number two, finished with the number two seed and is, is like beating, is beating the Milwaukee Bucks in the first yeah, round. Yeah, fully healthy Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I go back and forth. And then Mike D'Antoni also, it's impressive what he's put together yep. in Houston. A very dominant team without necessarily having um, a dominant, I guess James Harden is a dominant, but not necessarily, not in the traditional sense of like, player that just seems physically unstoppable and then someone you wouldn't think about alvin gentry oh yeah alvin gentry coach i mean yeah you can't really take the sweep into account when you're thinking of coach of the year because it's regular season but he even kept this team going after demarcus cousins went out and got them in the position that they're in right now it's just there was so much good coaching this year man This, this is crazy yeah alvin gentry is one of those guys that for a while there it seemed like his job was um, on the line there yeah. and he just got his option just got picked up by the team so he got it he bought himself some uh, or not bought himself but he earned himself some job security a little yeah, bit with this I, I can play. see this being a long term extension for him at some point over this contract for him this this team looks like it's going to be good for a while yeah 
But how about Russell Westbrook? Uh, not that bad of a performance here, but 14 points, 5 for 17, 8 turnovers, and a negative 25 plus <laughs> or minus in game three that, against the that's Jazz. That's the bad one there, yeah. 14 points mm-hmm. normally not doesn't make a worse performance, but minus 25 plus minus for your superstar player, Yeah, that is not going to fly. I mean, the eight turnovers, that's almost average for him. But <laughs> <laughs> this he's just, man, he is getting outplayed by Ricky Rubio. What is going yeah. on? Yeah, I mean, this is where Westbrook kind of, earns or not earns but gets criticism a lot is he's in these situations and he kind of ends up doing too a little bit too much or just gets too emotional a little maybe too out of control starts committing petty fouls um basically turning the ball over some taking questionable shots down the stretch and the plus or minus stat kind of reveals that about a guy like him maybe not the full picture but it does. It does reveal a piece of the picture there. Yeah, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he is able to calm himself down a little bit for this game five we have on Thursday, with his back to mm-hmm. the wall, everything on the line. This is this is it for him, man. He's got to show up. Yeah, it's crazy to think this is it for the. It could be it for OKC. I think they ultimately win that game, but. And nonetheless, it's possible that that's the end we see of the experiment between the big three of Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, and Westbrook. Although the actual big three is Stephen Adams, Paul George, and yeah, Westbrook. Yeah, you can't even put Anthony in there anymore. <laughs> but this last one, this is a pretty bad one, man. Bradley Beal in game two, uh, he had nine points on three of 11 with a minus 34 plus minus. Mm, yeah, that was bad. And this is where I thought the Raptors were going to dominate. We're, we're going to re- basically put this team to sleep. But Bradley Beal and John Wall bounced back after this game two loss. They did. and Yeah, when Bradley Beal only shooting 11 times, you know it was a bad game. This this man loves yeah. to shoot. He loves driving in. and yeah, 11 sh- shots is just not enough for a guy like this. And The writing was on the wall for this one well before the game ended. But... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, like you said, they they bounced back for their two home games, and now it's a series. And man, these these playoffs are good, man. Like, there's some good games still to be had in this first round. Yeah, but to close this podcast off, I wanted to close it off just with the a question here that I think it's pretty interesting that we can ask ourselves this. But are the 76ers primed to actually come out of the East and make a finals run? I mean, we're looking at LeBron James facing a really hot Indiana Pacers team, the Toronto Raptors um, facing a Wizards team that has woken up and a Celtic team that's despite their impressive play is underhanded. Um, they're play- They had their injured star players are injured. It's the 76ers right now who seem to have the mojo. It's so insane. Going <laughs> from, are from we going to see this team pick, in the finals? The number one pick multiple years in a row in the draft to the NBA finals the next year. Has there ever been a jump like that before? That is unprecedented. Yeah, we're going to... Is it possible that we might see a core of players all under the age of 23 make it to the NBA Finals? That's Not even the... OK, I think OKC was roughly around yeah, there, yeah, but even were. then... Yeah, but that, yeah, that was a crazy team too, but this is this that takes nothing away from this. This is mm-hmm. something else, man. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and, and, and company... There, yeah, yeah, the European contingent is coming through. 
Exactly. That is an interesting lineup when it's thrown on the floor to see uh, Dario Saric, uh, Illis Nova, um, Ben Simmons, JJ Redick. What a group of gentlemen out there. What a group of gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Real gym rats out there. Yeah. But uh, possibly we could see the 76ers just become the Cinderella story of this NBA season and see themselves in the NBA finals despite their young age. It could happen. Um, It could happen. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to the second stringers NBA podcast. We'll update weekly and we'll keep our eye on the 76ers, the Utah OKC series. Um, LeBron James, is he going to return back to the finals? Who knows? Toronto Raptors, are they the actual real deal and make, can they make it out of the first round? We'll find out. (laughs) Have a good week, everybody. everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs>